Well, good morning. Good to, good to be with you. So uh, thankful in, in talking with the team that are leading uh, the worship time here, and especially Nate, not knowing exactly what he was going to speak on, and uh, what God had laid in my heart about authentic faith. And uh, having known the Lord now for 42 years in a, in a personal way, having been highly religious, totally lost, come to know Christ, having God melt my heart, and then uh, he's still in the process of molding my life. I, I was thinking this morning in my personal devotions, Paul said in Philippians 3 that his one desire was that he would know Christ more. And when you study the background of that passage, he had already been a follower of Christ for 30 years, and his one hope was to know Christ more. And so that, I hope, is our, is our desire uh, here today. I heard... Uh, uh, not too long ago, should have, uh, should have probably heard this way back in seminary, uh, some good preacher's advice. We were, I was talking about this with Jack last night. The best preacher's advice I probably have ever heard, and I know you'll say amen to this, is a preacher should always start with a good introduction, he should have a passionate conclusion, and he should keep the two as close together as possible. Uh, so I figure you would, you would appreciate that. Well, we're going to go through four on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning, four little character sketches of four men that are found in Hebrews chapter 11. And what I would like to do most generally will, the passage or the person today, it's Abel. The story of Abel is going to be found in Genesis 4. And if I could have just somebody, I'll hand them the mic, if they would be, be willing to read the Genesis 4, 1 through 16 today. If somebody is, do I have a volunteer to somebody that can speak right into the mic and just read that, that has the Bible. Does anybody, any, raise your hand or I just pick somebody out, whatever. Okay, right there. Now in Hebrews 11 in verse 4, pass that back there. Hebrews 11 in verse 4, I think the verse will be up here on the screen. Um, so Hebrews 11 is this chapter about these men and women and these unnamed people that are sprinkled throughout that radically made life uh, decisions, faith decisions that radically changed their life. And in many, in many of the instances, as you'll see at the end of uh, Hebrews chapter 11, they actually took their life because of their faith. And these individuals are in there, and Abel's going to be the first one mentioned. And his life, it says in Scripture, still speaks to us today. That's the purpose of Hebrews chapter 11, that we would look at these individuals, normal individuals, uh, family, men, and women. Uh, they, they had their own desires. They had their own sin nature. And yet they made some choices that landed them in Hebrews chapter 11. So it says in Hebrews 11 and verse 4, this is where we find our first uh, uh, character here, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So he still speaks to us today. And so what we want to do in the short time we have, uh, Pastor Stephen, a good friend of mine, Stephen Moore, uh, spoke at uh, family camp a couple of weeks ago in the morning. I asked him, hey, you got any good advice for me? I'll be speaking in the morning. And he said, yes. Um, the adults that will be in the room, their kids are taken care of until 11.15. So the earlier you can get them out, the more they'll appreciate you. So, so, so we'll, 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 that was his best advice. Uh, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll 
get after it. Now, before she reads Genesis 4, 1 through 16, Abel's the first one mentioned. And there's a couple of just natural reasons why the hall of faith or what heroes of faith or whatever you would want to call it are going to start with Abel. Well, they're not going to start with Adam and Eve. They're not going to be the first ones in the hall of faith here. Uh, so there's a chronological order to the ones that are in Hebrews chapter 11. And I think even more importantly for Abel, hopefully we'll see, uh, we'll see something about the very first step of faith, and that's how do we, uh, even as uh, followers of Christ, uh, how, do we, how do we approach God? How do we come into His presence? W- what is it that God would, what mindset, what thought pattern, what belief would He want us to bring to actually come into uh, His presence? So we're going to start with Abel, and uh, if you follow along in, in uh, Genesis chapter 4, I'll have you stand, and, and, and uh, is that okay? Okay. Let's give her a hand for reading. That's good. Okay. Genesis 4, 1 through 16. Now Adam did it in his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord, and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Okay, thank you. So let's do a little Bible study on uh, the person of Abel, and then I'll make some practical application that I, that I pray will be a challenge and an encouragement to you. So you know, if you've read your Bible at all, and you certainly have, you know in Genesis 3, you have the root of sin. You have, you have Adam and Eve making choices that aren't pleasing to God. A sin enters the world, the curse comes, and in comes death. So in Genesis 3, you have the root of sin, but it doesn't take very long to see then what is going to be the fruit of sin, and there's going to be a murder that takes place in Genesis chapter 4. Now, Genesis 4 starts out happily enough. You have the first couple uh, have their first pregnancy. Uh, You have a first birth. 
and you have a first child. It, it should be a very happy occasion, but it soon goes backwards. Now, Abel's name, the word, the name Abel, literally means vapor or breath or that which ascends. And we don't know for sure why Abel was named Abel, but certainly we know uh, that his life was but a vapor. If you read uh, James chapter 4, and it, what, what is our life? It's but a vapor. And maybe it's because God knew already that Cain was going to snuff out his life at, a, at an early age. Uh, somebody said about Adam and Eve and their first kids, uh, all they could do, the first kids, was raise Cain, and they were able. And, you know, take that for what it's worth there. So Adam and Eve had two sons. One was a martyr. The other was a murderer. And it's interesting, in Scripture, there is no recorded words from Abel's mouth recorded anywhere in Scripture. Uh, he, he's just not recorded. And yet, Hebrews 11 and verse 4 says, though, though he's dead, he still speaks. So, so no verbal words are recorded, uh, but we have a life action that I think that we can learn from today. Uh, he's, not, he's not a part of the series of The Walking Dead. Um, he is a part of the series of The Talking Dead for, for sure. It's interesting. I think the verse will be up here on the screen in Luke 11, verse 49, uh, that it actually says uh, 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 Jesus called Abel a prophet. Uh, and uh, we would know uh, from, uh, from our study of Scripture that a prophet is somebody that has been spoken to by God and then actually speaks to us for God. So Abel then is from God to us, going to teach us the very first principle of Scripture. I think it'll be up uh, on the screen, which is without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, uh, Nate, uh, last, uh, uh, last yesterday morning, and then this morning, and even uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about authentic faith. And without that authentic, raw, genuine faith, um, you, you're not going to please God with your life. And I think about my own life, and I, and I could go back, and I, I have moments of real faith. I remember when I trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. I mean, I have a real clear memory of the day, what the sky was like, uh, the emotion that went into that, the surrender of my life. Uh, I, have a, I have a vivid memory of a deep surrender of faith when I had told you about my son Jake, and praise God, he's, he's doing good. There was a moment in time where the, the, the doctors, uh, after about eight months of being in the hospital, they said, hey, Dave and Deb, you need to call your family in, um, come in, because he's not going to make it through the weekend. He had pneumocystis pneumonia, and it c covered his lungs, and and it was going to be the, the death of a leukemia patient. And, and my wife and I were, were at Methodist Hospital in Des Moines, and we both went down into the chapel, and they have a couple of pews there. And, and I remember she was, she was sitting, kneeling on a pew over here, and I was sitting and kneeling on a pew over on the other side, and, and we, were, we were broken. And I did not know what she was saying to God, and she didn't know what I was saying. But in that very moment, 
God had called both Deb and I to a surrender of faith to say, here's our child, and it is going to be well with our soul no matter what happens to our child. And both Deb and I, without knowing what was going on in the other person's uh, life, uh, uh, stood up. And we felt like there was a burden lifted. We had been doing everything we could humanly possible uh, to keep our son alive. And so there was this surrender of faith. There was this moment of authentic, uh, there's nowhere else to go. There's no playing church here. This is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, Dave, are you going you gonna to actually uh, do what you were taught by your pastor? And we had a pastor come over and share Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story. And, you know, that God, God is able to do anything. And, and I'm certain God will do something. And that's where we were at for the longest time. And then on that particular morning, God brought us to that third level of faith where even if he doesn't do what I want him to do, he's still my God. And so in my life, God has constantly drilled me down to continual steps of surrender of faith. And so what we want to do is we want to learn, uh, we want to learn uh, from Abel's life. Now there are many contrasts between Cain and Abel. And, but first I want to uh, highlight the things that were the same because I think in Christian families uh, we can assume because we're all doing the same kind of spiritual things together that everybody in our family knows Christ, they're walking with Christ, in an authentic relationship with Christ. Uh, we just had our family devotion time with our two little granddaughters, one's nine and one's eight, and even though I've heard their stories, I've had the privilege of, of uh, baptizing one of those granddaughters, tell us from your words, without mom and dad around, what, what is, give us your testimony of faith. We wanted to hear that. So, so here are some things that were common to Cain and Abel, even though they clearly went in divergent paths. And this should be a, a word of warning to us to not take for granted that the work that God maybe did in your life, God has already done in your children's life. So just think about what Cain and Abel had in common. They, they had the same parents. They had the same nature. They had the same privileges. They professed the same Jehovah. They both were bringing an offering. They both were worshiping at the same place. They were both worshiping at the same time. But that's where the likeness ends. And the difference from, from, from doing that thing together uh, as a family, uh, that's where the difference ends. And so there was a huge difference, not necessarily in man's eyes, uh, but certainly in God's eyes. Lord just brought to me a scripture from devotions from several days ago about how it's possible to be in the middle of the house of God and living in sin. And, and maybe there's one or a number of you here, you say, man, my life is clearly not right. And, but on the surface, I'm here at camp, I'm doing all these things. My, my parents, my family, my kids would all think that I'm living for the Lord. But in reality, but in reality, you're not. And so today... Uh, yesterday morning, uh, tonight, authentic faith. Now, in Genesis 4, verse 4 and 5, there's a real specific word about the difference between Cain and Abel. And here's what it says. It says that the Lord had regard, circle that word, for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. 
So the word regard means, and especially from God's perspective, that, that you, you, you put your eyes on, you gaze on, you inspect, you put your, your attention to. Uh, something catches your eye. Uh, I told you uh, last night that, uh, you know, as God was uh, bringing me to himself, uh, there was this girl by the name of Deb, and she caught my eye. She stood out from, from all of the other uh, girls and all the other people. She, she, caught, she caught my eye. And God is saying that there is something that Abel did that caught the attention of God. And we should so live our lives so that, um, so that God would, would notice that there would be something about us that would catch the attention of God. And of course, Abel's uh, offering, there was no, no regard. Now, how, do, how would we know or how did Abel know that God had regard for his offering? How, how do we know it caught his attention? Well, it doesn't really say in Scripture um, but often when God accepted a sacrifice, fire would come down from heaven. There's a number of instances where this happened, if you think about it. David's offering and sacrifice in 1 Corinthians 21, uh, and the fire came down. The dedication of the temple, fire came down. And then I have a picture of Elijah, probably the most, the, the most uh, prominent one where this happened, uh, where, where, where God was clearly accepting uh, Elijah's sacrifice, and the fire came down and consumed it. Now, we don't know that happened when Abel made his sacrifice, but it does say that God had regard for his offering. So let's look at a couple of the differences, and I'll go fairly quickly through these and then uh, give three kind of challenges, encouragements for our own life about the life of Abel. Next, uh, tomorrow morning, we'll look at Enoch, and then we're going to look at Noah, and then we're going to look at Jacob. And I pray that they would all build, and you would see some things and be challenged and, and be encouraged. So, so what were some of the differences? And I think the, uh, this handout is in your little booklet there. So what are some of the differences? What was, what was regarded by God and what was disregarded by God in their offerings? Well, number one, Abel's offering was brought by faith, and Cain's was not. So Abel's offering was brought, brought, brought by faith, Cain's was not. There is no way that Abel could have brought his offering by faith if he didn't know what was going to be pleasing to God. We, we, we aren't specifically told, did, did God say, okay, this is what I want and this is what I want, but you can put scriptures together and, and kind of come to a conclusion about how did Cain know. Well, does anybody here know Romans 10, uh, verse, uh, chapter 10 and verse 17? Faith comes by, say it with me, hearing and what? Hearing by the word of God. We already looked at a verse where Jesus said that, that Abel was a prophet. So that means if he's a, a prophet, he was spoken to by God and he speaks on behalf of God. He couldn't have offered a sacrifice in faith that wasn't revealed by God himself, and it was going to be blood. It was going to be blood. As a prophet, he made a decision based on God and his word. Now think about it with me. His parents are Adam and Eve. His parents are Adam and Eve, mom and dad. They had tried to hide their sin. Uh, they tried to put fig leaves on. 
Uh, God said, no, 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 that's not going to work. And so God then gave them coats of skin. That was an unbelievable object lesson to Adam and Eve. You do not think as parents that they're going to pass that object lesson on to their kids. You don't think that they're going to have a family devotion time like we just did and sit their kids down and tell them we were in the garden. We walked with God like we were with them and we, we talked with him. And kids, I just want you to know mom and dad made a huge mistake and we, God told us this very simple thing and we disobeyed it. And you know what we did? We actually tried hiding. I don't think they gave all of the details of what actually happened. But they, we, we tried hiding and we tried using this plant and these fig leaves. And God said, no, 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 no. And so do you know what had to happen, kids? An actual innocent animal had to be slaughtered so that we could have coats of skin. Kids, do you not know the importance of shed blood? Do you, do you see what had to happen? They would have certainly, wouldn't have they, as parents, Adam and Eve, told them about the deception of Satan and the serpent, like the serpent's going to talk to you and he's going to tell you something different than God tells you, and you listen to God, kids. So I'm sure they were both taught down to the minutest detail. You take God at his word. If he says it's all for you except for that one tree, don't you dare go to that one tree. Like you take God at his word. Now, when you and I uh, speak about heaven to our kids, one of the things that we did in family devotions this morning is, okay, what is something that you have to take by faith and you can't see by sight? And we talked about the, th the third heaven. The first heaven is the atmosphere. The second heaven is the moon and the stars. The third heaven is where God resides. Can, you, can any one of you, of the two of our grandparents, can you see that? No, we're going to take it by faith. And so we were able to talk to them, not having seen heaven, but by taking God at his word. But Adam and Eve didn't have to do it second person or third person. They, they're talking to their kids about actually walking literally with God himself. It would have been, it would have been animated. You know, I, one of the most challenging things as a parent uh, that I heard, and I think it was Vance Havner who said this, the, the problem with a lot of parents, the problem with a lot of, uh, a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers, is that they traffic in unlived truth. They talk about things as though they're a reality in their life because they read them in Scripture or they've been taught them, but they're not living them out. Well, Adam and Eve were able to speak from experience. And I would just say, like, I see all these kids leaving and God has really blessed Lakeside Fellowship with kids. And I'm like, man, am I so, so thankful for kids. And I see them all being dismissed. And I was like, man, what is the world like that's coming, coming ahead of them? And it's a crazy world out there. And what those kids need, even more than somebody that has committed their summer to, to lead the kids, what they need is parents and grandparents to have an authentic faith before them. You know, kids can smell things out a lot better. They can smell when it's not true out way, way better than, than we think they can. Uh, so uh, Cain and Abel's offering. Number two, Abel's offering was special. Cain's was ordinary. God had regard for Abel's offering. It caught his attention. There was no regard for Cain's offering. It, it was, 
This is how you would word it. There was nothing noteworthy. There was nothing special about what Cain did. That's what it really literally means. Abel offered the firstborn of the flock. He offered the best, the fat, which is like a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Cain's was the opposite. It was the exact opposite. Uh, so it just says that Cain offered the fruit of the, of the ground. There's no other adjectives. God doesn't say it was special. God doesn't say it was beautiful. God doesn't say it was the best of anything. It was just ordinary. Abel brought the best he could. A Cain just gave him what he had. Not, it's just, okay, well, what? without any thought really to it. David said he would not offer to the God that which cost him nothing. So Abel's offering was special. Cain's was ordinary. The third one uh, is that Abel, it's not Abel's offering, but Abel was righteous, Cain was evil. I'm just going to quote 1 John 3, 2. I'm going to be respectful of the time here. I think the, the verse will be up on the screen, 1 John 3 and verse 12. Could you, if you could, yeah, there you go. We should not be, John wrote, uh, by the way, Cain and Abel are mentioned numerous times through Scripture. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So Abel was righteous. Cain was evil. Cain was actually the first soldier in the serpent's army. If Cain would have had a right spirit, if he would have been repentant, if he would have listened to mom and dad, if he would have, if he would have caught the significance of the blood, even though it's really early on, uh, certainly uh, he would have been right before God's eyes. But Abel was righteous living a life pleasing to God. So here's the difference under this little point right here. Cain had a religious life, and Abel had a righteous life. So Cain had a religious life, but not a righteous life. And then there's a fourth one. It's not in your book, but if you would write it down. Abel's offering required shed blood and cost a life. Cain's did, Cain's did neither. So Abel's offering required shed blood Cain brought the fruit of his own hand. Abel brought the blood of an innocent lamb. Cain's offering was bloodless. And so it says, by faith, though he died, he still speaks. So let me, and in the original language where it says he still speaks, it means he keeps on speaking. It's a continuous tense. So that means 5,000 years later to us, somewhere around there, he is still speaking to us. Well, what can we, in, a, in the last couple of moments, what can we get from just looking at the life of Abel this morning? Well, he, he speaks to us about access to God. He speaks to us about access to God. And I want you to just to think of this thought. And this is, this is the gospel. The blood of Christ makes all of the difference. That, that's what we have to know. So, so Cain and Abel's offering, what made the difference? The blood made the difference. It was a blood, blood sacrifice. It was a blood offering. And you know this, but let me just remind you as we go throughout the day and be, be, be praised by this and think through, your, through the scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, if you cut it anywhere, it bleeds red, amen? It bleeds red. Scarlet thread runs all through the pages, just by way of remembrance, the Red River began to flow when God made coats of skin. It passed down through Abel in his offering. Uh, when Noah got off of the ark, the first thing he did is he made an offering. 
Uh, he called Abraham to offer up Isaac. And then there was a, then, then there was a lamb provided in the thicket. I, I, just heard, um, I just heard a man speak on that passage saying the thicket was like that ram was caught in the thicket. That was almost like a picture of Christ with a crown of thorns on already uh, way back in Genesis 22. Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And then the blood flowed through Moses and the doorposts and all the way down, all the way to the cross. The blood never stopped flowing until Calvary. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, these are, besides 2 Corinthians 5.21, these are the verses, uh, I think it'll be up here on the screen, that, that absolutely cinched it for me. Now remember, I grew up Roman Catholic, had a priest, had to go to confession to a priest, took communion to a priest, go to confession to a priest, uh, did, did, did everything with the priest. And so when I read these as an unbeliever, I thought I was talking about the Catholic Church. I didn't know about the Old Testament and everything. And it says every priest stands daily at his, at his uh, service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never wait, take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified." I don't know if you know, but in the Catholic Church, they have communion, they have mass. Mass is Latin for a sacrifice, so they have a bloodless sacrifice. And so when my mom is told every time you take communion, you are being saved, okay? What they're, what they're saying is the priest would hold up the bread, it turns into the body of Christ. He would hold up the chalice of wine, which they really liked, and that would turn into the, to the, to the blood of Christ. It was a, a, a bloodless sacrifice because they never understood the finished work of Christ on the cross. So Abel speaks to us about trusting in the blood sacrifice of Christ, amen? There certainly is somebody here that has never trusted in the blood of Christ. Certainly there is. You, you might even be saying after hearing Nate, maybe my testimony last night, it's like, man, I, I, I think God's gonna do a work in me this week. Well, I would say don't leave camp this week without trusting in Christ. The blood of Christ makes all the difference. Quickly, number two, he still speaks to us about the worship of God. He still speaks to us about, and the sinner's heart makes all the difference. It was the heart of Abel over the heart of Cain. The sinner's heart makes all the difference. God knows your heart. Dave doesn't. Praise the Lord for that. Jesus said in John chapter 4, you must worship in spirit and truth. You cannot separate the worship of God from the worshiper of God. Again, the writer of Scripture in the Old Testament said that there was a sinner, I felt like a sinner in the midst of the assembly. You, you can't separate the offering from the offerer He's asking for authentic, uh, surrendered, uh, thankful offering of ourselves to God. And then number, number three for our time this morning, he still speaks to us about a testimony for God. 5,000 years or whatever your timetable is for, for Adam and Eve and, and, uh, and, and Abel, uh, 
his, his mouth didn't speak for him, but his life spoke for him and his death spoke for him, and it still speaks to us today. And so an authentic faith makes all the difference. Uh, maybe the week at camp, uh, moms and dads are both going to be spending more time with your kids than you, than you do uh, when in, in the craziness of, of working and all the schedules and you know everything else. So, so maybe this is the week where you're closer together. Well, I'm telling you, your kids will rat you out. They'll, they'll, they'll know if, if you have this genuine love for Christ. They'll see it in your eyes. They'll hear it in your voice. They'll see it in, in how you treat people and how you spend time and what's important. Jude 11 says that there's a way of Cain. And the way of Cain was to be religious without being righteous. Jim Elliott said this, when it comes time to die, make sure all you need to do is die. When it comes time to die, make sure all you need to do is die. First recorded sacrifice was Abel's, one sacrifice, one person. Later came one lamb, the Passover lamb, one lamb for one family. Then came the Day of Atonement, one lamb for one nation. And finally, praise the Lord, came Calvary, one lamb, the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. Are we forever thankful for that? It should melt our heart, and it should mold our life for the glory of God. Let me have a word of prayer. Father, uh, thanks again for your goodness. Thank you for bringing us all together. Lord, I think of even kind of reading the history book of this place, these, these individuals that uh, many, many, many years ago had this vision of bringing families and uh, moms and dads and grandpas and families and extended families and kids to be in an environment where they could see loving people doing loving things, being taught the Word of God in an age-graded manner, and where your Son would be exalted. Lord, I want to, with my life, we want to, here this morning, we want to exalt your Son. We want to lift Him up. We, we, we know that when He was lifted up on the cross, He said that He would draw men to Himself. Lord, I'm just going to say in front of everybody, I'm so thankful that you drew me to yourself. And Lord, if there's one here, certainly in my spirit, not thinking a, of a particular individual, but certainly in my spirit, there would be several here that don't authentically know you. Maybe they're here for the first time. Maybe they've been raised in a Christian family, but they would have to say, I don't have this authentic, genuine relationship based on the blood of Christ and the fact that I'm a sinner. And the only way that I can approach you, Father, is through the blood and the finished work of your Son. Lord, you do a work amongst us. Thank you for blessing us with this week. Thank you for blessing us with your word. Thank you for blessing us with your son. In Christ's precious name, amen.